Welcome to Question Period. I'm Evan Solomon. Happy Thanksgiving to all of you as we get ready to carve up the political turkey. With just eight days left in the campaign, we start with conservative cuts. Our conservative platform is full of real, concrete measures that will help Canadian families save and plan for the future. The Conservative Party finally unveils their full costed platform, a balanced budget in five years, but where are the cuts coming from and what's in it for you? Former Harper Cabinet Minister and current Conservative candidate Pierre Polyevre joins us. And then, promise breakers? The Liberals make big campaign promises, but will they actually keep them and have the Liberals abandon balanced budgets altogether? Finance Minister and Liberal candidate Bill Morneau joins us with the Liberal plan. And then, debate dud? There is no clear winner in the big debates, but did anybody stand out enough to make a difference? Our war room of campaign insiders is back to weigh in on where this is all heading, and then Nick Nanos joins the scrum with the latest poll numbers with just one week to go in the campaign. This is Question Period. Let's pour on the political gravy and go get some answers. So in the final days of the campaign, the Liberals are making a dizzying array of expensive promises to try and get another majority. There's a tax cut that exempts people making under $147,000 from paying tax on income up to $15,000. That'll cost the government $5.5 billion annually. They're making maternity and paternity uh, tax benefits tax-free and increasing grants for students. But there's one big question, the money. Why is there no plan to bring the budget back to balance. We asked Liberal leader Justin Trudeau to join us today. He was not made available. But to find out more, I am joined by the finance minister and the Liberal candidate, Bill Morneau. Happy Thanksgiving to you, Mr. Morneau, and welcome to the program. Before we start on the policy, can I just, uh, there was a big security situation last night with Mr. Trudeau. He had to wear a bulletproof vest, as I understand. Can you give Canadians any idea what the threat was? Well, good to be on your show, Evan. Uh, no, I, I don't really have any insights into security issues at all. I apologize. Uh, and just one last thing on that. Have threats to Mr. Trudeau or others gone up in recent days in this election? You know, again, Evan, I, I really have no information to help you on this, in this regard. Uh, that's something that, uh, that I'm just not, uh, I'm not part of that discussion at all. Well, we just hope that this democracy is only defined by ballot box, not bullets, of course. Let me get to the Liberal platform uh, and the issue of deficits. In the last campaign, you promised to balance the books, or your party did, by this year. That promise was broken. Now your party is proposing deficits of $27.4 billion next year and over $20 billion over four years, every year. Is the message that balancing the budget doesn't matter to the Liberal government true? Well, what our message is, Evan, is that consistent with what we did over the last four years, we believe that investing in Canadians will lead us to positive outcomes. And there's really no better way to demonstrate that than the news we received just in the last couple of days about our unemployment numbers, which are at the lowest they've, they've ever been. So we, we're going to continue to make investments, investments in, in students, investments in families, investments in seniors, and we're going to do that by uh, being fiscally responsible at the same time. We know that we've got a good position now in terms of our, our overall fiscal envelope, and we can reduce our debt as a function of our economy over time. That's being responsible 
while we continue to invest. But why should we trust the numbers? Because uh, I'm wondering if they're close to reality. And you know the old expression, fool me once. Uh, the last time you guys got elected, you said you were balancing the budget. You're 15 to $18 billion off. Why should we trust that your new platform is any indication that these are accurate numbers and the deficit won't balloon even further? Well, what we immediately said, Evan, was that we were going to stick to a principle of reducing our debt as a function of our economy. We've done that every year. I think the bigger problem you need to look to is towards the Conservative platform. They're proposing $53 billion in cuts. Those cuts include $18 billion in infrastructure, and that's going to hit affordable housing. And we know we have got a housing crisis in parts of our country. It's going to hit public transportation because there's no way to cut infrastructure spending without actually cutting projects that are having an important impact on people's lives. Yeah, to be fair, they're going to roll out their infrastructure spending in 15 years, not 12. They argue that you guys didn't spend the money in the first place. But I got Mr. Pauly ever coming up on that. But I just want to look at the liberal numbers and, and the deficit numbers. Again, on the trust, your numbers don't include a promise to cost universal health care. It doesn't have the full cost of maternity and paternity leave. It doesn't have a $3 billion contingency fund. It doesn't take into account the $3 billion it will cost to plant 2 billion trees. It doesn't take into account we got economic headwinds. Again, all those things make me wonder, how do we trust the numbers? We, uh, we, as you know, have gone forth and, and made sure that our platform was looked at by the Parliamentary Budget Officer. What we've been clear, Evan, is that we're going to move forward on universal pharmacare by negotiating with the provinces. And we've put money there saying that that's the, the way we're going to start. What we're trying to do is to make sure that we have a plan to continue investing. We know we can do this, Evan, while we reduce our, our net debt to GDP. And that's, that's exactly what we've done over the last four years. When, so when you say, let's look at what we've done versus what we're going to do, what we've done is we've reduced our, our debt as a function of our economy each year. When outsiders like the IMF are looking in at Canada, they're saying, well, that's the kind but, of plan that you should have to make sure your economy continues to grow. So we're going to stick with something that's, that's absolutely been working and uh, but make sure that to we be continue fair, to deal with people's challenges. Uh, to be fair, you're not just sticking to it, you're going even further. Last time you were going to get budget, now there's not even a, a plan to get balance. And I guess the question is, just make some choices. You know, If you're going to deficit spend, you should do it as a job multiplier to either A, increase productivity, or to make sure that you have a way to stimulate economic growth. I'll give you an example. How is the millions of dollars you're going to spend to send uh, underprivileged kids camping? Maybe a, a good idea, but how is that a smart way to deficit spend when it doesn't increase productivity or economic growth? Like, how do you justify that? Our overall plan, Evan, is, is thinking about how we can deal with people's anxieties at, at, at all sectors. So, so you really, to, to follow our plan, you have to look at what are the big things in the plan, the big things that are going to make a difference. So, so as I walk through those, it's, it's tax cuts for families and making a big difference. It's increasing the Canada Child Benefit. It's student grants, as I mentioned. It's increasing old age security for people over age 75. And it's dealing right. with something that's creating anxiety across the country, obviously health care, saying we're going to put $6 billion into health care so that we can ensure home care and mental health care. These are the big things that we know will help to deal with that affordability issue. And at the same time, 
as we've proved, our investments actually led to, to positive growth. That's actually okay. what we've seen. Uh, and you've got to consider our situation. I mean, you, we have to look at the, the level of, of uh, people working right now and say that is a, unequivocally a positive. Right. Let me just final say that if, if the Conservatives are going to cut $18 billion from infrastructure, that's going to impact jobs. Okay, it's just, okay, it's just, just absolutely clear. Uh, outside of the economy, the big issue is trust. Your government is facing a trust issue. It's, it's hard to ignore it. The ethics commissioner found Mr. Trudeau broke the law twice. There was the blackface issue, the SNC issue, the broken promises on electoral reform and deficits. Progressives are saying, how could a government be a climate champion and buy a pipeline? It's a long list. What do you say to voters who say, I'm losing enthusiasm for you guys because you promised to do things better and you broke my trust? What I would start with is that the last thing you brought up, which is around climate, what we've said from the beginning is we need to put a price on pollution. We've now moved forward so that all places in Canada have a price on pollution. We know this is the single most important way we can deal with climate change. And so that is something that we promised we would do. We've moved forward in it. Obviously, we face opposition from the Conservatives who don't have a plan to deal with climate change. And we're seeing five provinces who are also saying right. you know, they, don't, they don't like the fact that we're dealing with climate change. So, so that is an important issue between the Liberals and the Conservatives. Our plan, we know, is the one that economists everywhere would say is the biggest and most right. important way to get at this issue. And, uh, you know, we believe this is, this is a critical and defining issue for our time. All right. I, I got to leave it there. Uh, it's a busy day. And I wish you and your family happy Thanksgiving to Bill Morneau. Appreciate you joining us. Okay, so that's the Liberal plan. We talked a bit about the Conservative plan coming up. We will dig into that platform with Conservative candidate and the party's finance critic, Pierre Polyevra. He's standing by. Stay right here with Question Period. <laughs> time for a new conservative government that will live within its means, put more money in your pockets so you and your family and ultimately Canada can get ahead. So that's Conservative leader Andrew Scheer's pitch to voters after he released his fully costed platform just 10 days before Election Day and a day after the last debate. Now, the plan promises to tax digital corporations, go after tax avoiders and balance the budget within five years. But how will the Conservatives do it? The answer is through cuts to things like infrastructure spending and foreign aid. Conservative leader Andrew Scheer declined the opportunity to appear on this program. But with me in studio is Pierre Polyevra, the Conservative candidate for Ontario and the party's finance critic. Great to see you, sir. Good to be with you. All right, just real quick, let me start with the, the costed platform. Released a day after the debates and early voting had already begun. Was that a sign that you guys wanted to bury the idea that there are big cuts to get back to balance? Actually, we wanted to release it in prime time, which is right before Thanksgiving dinner. Families come together and they talk politics. Friday night before oh, the long weekend. Thanksgiving, come on. Thanksgiving dinner. People are having that Saturday, Sunday, Monday, depending on your family, and people come together to talk about the platform. But to go over we a costed wanted, platform we at Thanksgiving. Wanted, we wanted people to have all the facts that so they could discuss that. And get the get the get the truth. And you know what? You're they right. They could have though. had the facts a week earlier. You know, the Liberals still haven't released a costed platform. Not a fully costed. No, they have not. They have billions of dollars in uncosted promises. The big promise to get back to balance in five years um, for your party, 2024-25. The biggest cuts will be to infrastructure. You're not spending 18.1 billion dollars until after 2025. So I just want to ask: delaying that infrastructure spending, which amounts to a cut per year, how does your 
party justify that? When cities and municipalities say we've got a massive infrastructure deficit and we need that money now? Well, let's start with the state of play. Liberals promised this $186 billion infrastructure plan, but they haven't converted dollars into projects. In fact, the parliamentary budget officer says that 40% of the money has lapsed. Stats Canada says that actual infrastructure project spending has only gone up 1% since the Liberals took office. So in effect, the money is not actually converting into projects. And so you can uh, try to claim that you have the most expensive program. It doesn't mean you're actually building more. So what we proposed is to take the existing infrastructure plan and extend it over 15 years rather than 12 because we can think we, we think we could actually be able to spend that money and convert it into projects what that projects have value get done? for money. Like I get that, but it's still a I'll, cut per year. I'll just say I'll, the the Federation of Canadian Municipalities say cities and communities across the country have an urgent need for increased proposed measures in your conservative platform appear to move in the opposite direction. Fewer infrastructure dollars available year over year to create jobs, improve roads, bridges, and maintain local services. That's what all the mayors are saying. False. At the end of the day, politicians will always want more money from other levels of government. There's nothing surprising about that. That, but those expenditures haven't actually converted into increased construction of projects. So, according to the parliamentary budget officer, the pro the budget that we have put forward in our platform for infrastructure allows us to fund every single project to which the federal government is now committed and have billions of dollars extra for additional projects. Okay, well, that, there's a disagreement with the Canadian municipalities. Uh, you also call for, here's the other big expense, and I want to get some details, other operating expense reduction. Your party claims you can find $14.4 billion by 2024. There's no details. So you tell me, Mr. Polyever, what are other operating expenses reductions? There's no details there. Well, there actually there are details. I'll give you them. I'll reiterate what's in the platform. One, uh, we plan to keep the same number of public servants uh, over the next five years, uh, maintain them at the 2020-2021 level. So we're not going to reduce the number of public servants, but we're not going to increase it either, so and that, that provides so a savings from no, no, the, the but, but Liberal sorry, plan. To, to, to be fair, you're not hiring anyone new in there, so that's a tantamount, according to Clark and DeVries, two economists, that's tantamount to a cut of 18% because you're hiring no one new, well, which is in the platform. Not true again. We are going to replace people who retire. In other words, we're going to fill vacated positions, but we'll keep the same number of public okay. servants as we have now versus the Liberal plan for massive new government hiring. Secondly, we're going to end March Madness. You know that 70% of liberal deficits have happened in one month of the year? March. Well, you know what happens in March in this uh, town, Evan? Ministers and managers blow their budget on computer monitors, on professional services contracts, on supplies, and, and on other things in order to avoid losing that budget. I, they I, spend $11 billion more in March than they do in each of the previous 11 months. Now, Evan, what that means is they're blowing cash out the door just to avoid having their budgets lapped. We would rather stop March Madness, as we did in the but Harper that's era, not. But that's and, not $14 and, and, billion dollars no, under other it, costs. It's, it's not. It, but it's part of it. And, and so we're going, to, uh, we're going to get rid of March Madness. I've given you two examples now. So you've asked for examples. No, but I'm just trying to get it. No, okay. Three. Uh, we have Canada, the Canadian government has the largest and most diverse real estate portfolio in the entire country. 37,000 buildings, but we do a very bad job of managing the office space, much more 
a much bigger footprint right. per, em, per employee than, than comparable high quality okay. private sector jobs. We're going to, we're going to better manage our, our real estate asset. Finally, we're going to get rid of a billion and a half dollars of corporate welfare. That's money to, to pay for free fridges, for Loblaws, uh, or to give, those are uh, pro pay yeah, out. I get yeah, that. Those are programs, but that's that. so you say that we don't have no, specifics, Evan. No, actually, we do have specifics. But to be fair, we've laid them out. Yeah, but that last one is booked on another line item. You know that. Sure. that that's that actually is a different line it item. It is a than different line item, right? So, so you're mix, you're mixing no, apples and oranges. I'm, but I'm moving on to other line items. 25% less cut in foreign aid, yeah. and you cut on this arbitrary line of the Human Development Index. So just as an example, that means Bangladesh would not get any money, right? Bangladesh has 900,000 refugees for the Rohingya. Why would you cut that? Like, why would a Conservative government not want to help the Rohingya there, which Canada has supported for so long? Canada is going, under a sheer government, is going to focus its foreign aid on those countries that need it, need it most. We're going to stop giving government, government, government to government aid for uh, uh, around the world for corrupt um, governments who are the res who are responsible for the poverty in their own country. Giving money to corrupt governments but, but that, who but, are causing poverty. But Bangladesh is not. The, I'm not talking about Bangladesh. Well, that uh, is not this is not the solution to poverty. Right. We're going to focus. No, the money. no more we're, aid we're, to, South, to Latin going, America. Sorry, we're going to fo focus our aid on the poorest countries in the world so that they can that we can do the maximum good for the minimum cost. Okay, just real quick, I had a minute here. Your party has criticized Justin Trudeau a lot for not being as advertised. The SNC, Lavalin, the ethics scandal, blackface, and we uh, there's a lot of criticism. But now you've got Andrew Scheer who didn't talk honestly about being an insurance broker who revealed during the NAFTA negotiations didn't say he was a dual citizen. Does Andrew Scheer now have the same credibility problem as Justin Trudeau? Absolutely not. Look, Andrew Shear is the son of a working class family who earned his own middle way with his own. Yeah, I mean, yeah. working class, middle class, uh, either one. He earned his own way, won the respect of members of all parties to become Speaker of Canada's House of Commons, has put forward a fully costed platform where the numbers actually add up and are realistic to phase out the deficit and leave more money in people's pockets to let them get ahead. He's precisely as advertised. He's a great leader. He's going to be a, an excellent prime minister. All right. Uh, I got to leave it there. There's lots. Very tight campaign. I always appreciate seeing you. Thanks, sir. Thank you. Thanks a lot. That's uh, Pierre Polyevra. All right. Coming up, debate turning point. There were more zingers, more talking points than actual hardcore policy, but which leader stood out? Did the big week of debates change the direction of the final week of the campaign? You will be surprised. The War Room is up next. Stay right here with Question Period. Your only role 6%, on this stage tonight seems 6%. to be to say publicly what Mr. Scheer thinks privately. No. You seem to be oddly obsessed with provincial politics. There is a vacancy for the Ontario Liberal leadership, and if you are so focused on provincial politics, go and run for the leadership of that party, Mr. Scheer. You do not need to choose between Mr. DeLay and Mr. Deny. At this point, Mr. Scheer, with all due respect, you're not going to be Prime Minister. How fun was that? You know, trying to find a winner in the English language debate was like trying to find a contact lens in a mosh pit at a concert. It was a mess. The leaders each tried to unveil their pre-cooked zingers, hoping they would go viral. But it was like a chef trying to pass off a microwave dinner as a gourmet meal. Still, some leaders did better than others. Did anybody stand out? Did the election dynamic change? 
and what's to come in the final week. Let's bring in the war room of campaign insiders to look at it all through their eyes. Scott Reed, the former communications director for Paul Martin. Jenny Byrne is the former campaign director for Stephen Harper. And Carl Belanger is the former press secretary to Jack Layton, and former principal secretary to Tom Mulcair. Great to have all of you here. Scott, i got to start with you. Uh, did the debates, the English and then the French language, the major debates, change the course of this campaign? Uh, you bet your pumpkin pie they did. Uh, in fact, they're the only thing they did. But what was peculiar is it didn't really affect the front runners, but it affected the race. So in Quebec, you see the bloc coming online gangbusters. I, you know, between TVA and the two uh, commission debates, I think that Blanchet probably had the best performance in all three of all six leaders. And then, uh, so he's storming in Quebec, and that's a big problem for a bunch of the parties. And it threatens the NDP. Uh, clearly threatens the uh, conservatives, and it becomes a problem for uh, Trudeau in search of his majority. And the NDP, are, you know, there's, I don't think we got an orange wave going, but we've got momentum. We've got the first sign of life. We've got some movement happening. And again, that creates challenges for Trudeau because it alters the arithmetic, arithmetic in terms of getting to majority. Yeah, Jenny, Jenny, what about you? Who was helped? Who was hurt by these debates? Uh, I kind of agree with Scott, believe it or not. I don't think any of the front runners were helped. Uh, I think that uh, Justin Trudeau was much more comfortable in the French language debate. Uh, Andrew Scheer uh, did very well, I think, in, uh, uh, in both. But uh, uh, I think Elizabeth May uh, came up uh, kind of the loser in both the debates. Uh, she completely underwhelmed and, uh, and underperformed. Jagmeet Singh, I think, was much more comfortable in the English language debate. Uh, as, as in, opposed to the French. The French language debate was much more substantive in terms of policy, and I think that he struggled, uh, he struggled with that policy uh, on Thursday night. Uh, Carl, what's your takeaway? Because here we are eight days away now. Uh, what's your takeaway after the big turning point week of the debates? Well, I mean, the reality is that we have a different campaign. There was a lot of assumptions at the beginning of the campaign, like the NDP was dead in the water and the separatism was dead too. Well, guess what? It's not. And after the TVA debate, we saw the Bloc Québécois uh, going up. It got even stronger uh, after the English debate, and it keeps going up. So right now, the Bloc Québécois is in a position not to get 20 or 30 seats, but maybe 40 or 50 seats. Really? That's where it's headed. In, in, in English Canada, during the English debate, we saw Jagmeet Singh being discovered by Canadians. He was the campaigner that New Democrats saw during their leadership race. That guy was missing in action for the past two years. He's back, and Canadians are liking what they see. So now we have the two frontrunners who are hovering around the 30% mark. That's not enough for a majority. And I don't see anything dramatic changing in the next nine days. You know why? Because it's Thanksgiving weekend. The opinions are crystallizing during this weekend as people talk over pumpkin pie in Turkey. And uh, we're going to end up with a minority government. I just don't know which color it's going to be. Well, let, let me go back to you, Scott, because you mentioned, and you and Carl mentioned the block. I mean, just so people appreciate, they have 10 seats right now. And, and Carl's right. People were saying, you know, that's dead. They've been resurrected. What impact could a surging block have? both for the NDP, the Liberals, and the Conservatives. How does that, how does that carve up? Well, it alters the seat math. And, yeah, it's true that the NDP appear to be crawling up. So instead of being at 13%, maybe they're up at 18%. The challenge in Quebec is that may not actually help them because if the bloc are surging, they're going to feast on those NDP seats. We may only be left with a couple of, uh, of those seats that the NDP hold. Same thing for the Conservatives. Instead of having a dozen, they may end up with only a couple. And the Liberals, well, at some point, you're going to find yourself in the eastern suburbs of Montreal fighting head-to-head -head battles with the bloc. And they were counting on raking in a ton of seats. They were 
counting on breaking in 45, 50 seats to really anchor their majority play. So the math is making a big difference in the province of Quebec to the national map. Uh, Jenny, so what do you do in the, so pull back the curtain. So you're here, uh, Andrew Shear. I don't know how much he has to worry about Bernier, but the block may have an impact for Mr. Shear. But he's got to win Ontario and Lower Mainland to really have a shot at a majority. What do you say to Mr. Shear right now as he heads into those final uh, seven, eight days? Well, I think uh, to your point, the uh, the block could be the spoiler for both the Conservatives and the Liberals in terms of whether they're able to uh, to get a majority. And as Carl said, people's opinions are are solidifying. Thanksgiving weekend, uh, last election, uh, saw a record number of uh, uh, advanced poll uh, go people going out to the advanced poll. The election before that uh, was Easter weekend, and it was uh, it was very high. So if you're Mr. Shear and his campaign, you're not only doing what you can to uh, solidify your base of support, your your close to 30 percent of people that are are. Uh, died in the wool conservatives. You're reaching out to those uh, current undecideds uh, and uh, and getting them to uh, pulling them into uh, uh, into the polling station and getting them galvanized for election day. Jenny, just real quick, is he worried about Bernier? I, I we've I've seen no evidence of uh, of the People's Party uh, making any kind of uh, inroads. Uh, uh, across the country. That being said, in certain ridings, if uh, if the People's Party does well, like they did in the by-election uh, in Burnaby South for Jagmeet Singh, that's 11% of the vote. They could uh, they could be a spoiler as well. Uh, Carl, uh, yeah, everyone's talking about oh, Jagmeet Singh, as you say, he's off the mat. He's he did well in the English language debate. Is it enough? How does he translate that into votes if the bloc's eating his lunch in Quebec? Where does he get votes? Well, it has to be Ontario and British Columbia. And uh, the key factor for the Democrats that's helpful is that the Green Party in Elizabeth May have had a terrible campaign. They were neck and neck. They were, the narrative at the beginning of the campaign is the NEP's fighting the Greens for third place. Right. That's gone. That's way gone. The NDP is solidly in third place and climbing. So Jagmeet has got to keep doing what he's doing, which is uh, being the great campaigner that he is, and uh, the gain, gain some seats in Ontario and British Columbia uh, to, make, uh, to, to offset the, the loss he will have in Quebec, because there's no question the bloc will win seats against the three other parties in Quebec. Real quick, has a ballot box if there's a ballot box question in the last week, uh, Scott, real quick, what is the ballot box question, or is there one yet, a defining issue of the campaign? There needs to be one. This is a different campaign for the next nine days, and particularly for the Liberals. The best thing, maybe the only thing they can do, is scare the living hell out of NDP and Green voters and say there's a real possibility of a sheer prime ministership. If you want to stop that, right. get on board with me. If you want to stop those cuts, get on board with me. If you don't want to see Doug Ford being the de facto pr prime minister, get on board with me. That's what we're going to see. They're going to try to make that the ballot question. Is there a project fear? They of course, we've seen that. Jenny, Jenny, what's the ballot box question if there is one? There, there hasn't been one. I do agree with Scott. It's going to come down to uh, the, the polarization, uh, whether you support Andrew Scheer, whether you support Justin Trudeau. Uh, and the issue that uh, uh, the issue the NDP are going to have is they c they always poll hi higher in the public polls uh, than what their uh, what their support right. is. Jagmeet Singh is very well liked, but will that translate into votes? Ballot box. There are none right now, and that's the problem with wow. Justin Trudeau. He's going to try to make it one. Forget blackface. Forget the Aga Khan. Forget SNC, and vote to prevent the barbarians from getting in. Wow, I have not seen uh, so much up for grabs in this final week. Jenny, Scott, and Carl, happy Turkey Day as the political gravy starts to congeal. We'll find out. Coming up, the NDP and the Conservatives have finally released their costed platforms. 
What do they mean for you? Do th does that make a difference? The Scrum and our special guest Amanda Lang are standing by to weigh in on the numbers. Stay right here with Question Period. Our plan is one where we're investing in people. And we're proud of those investments. We know that families need help now, and that's why we put forward some urgent priorities that we would work on right away. Unlike Justin Trudeau's so-called plan, this has been fully costed by the Parliamentary Budget Officer. This is a fully costed platform with all the numbers. The reality is, I think we all know it, you don't release your best work at 6 o'clock on a Friday of a long weekend. There they go again. Voters have been hearing lots of promises for weeks, but with just eight days before voting day, they finally have some price tags. On Friday, both the Conservatives and the NDP released their costed platforms, not fully, but costed, weeks after the Liberals and the Greens unveiled theirs, also not completely costed in the Liberal case. Andrew Scheer is vowing to balance the budget within five years while promising big cuts, including scrapping the carbon tax, scaling back on foreign aid, reining in operating costs for public service. Uh, Jugmeet Singh, meanwhile, says his plan will cost $32 billion in the first year, including $10 billion earmarked for pharmacare, $25 million for national autism strategy, and more than a billion for affordable care, affordable child care. He also wants to introduce a super wealth tax for those making more than 20 million bucks a year or worth more than that. So are these progressive pocketbook promises and conservative cutbacks realistic or just political fantasy? And are voters even paying attention or have they gotten lost in the spending sea? To crunch the numbers, let's bring in the scrum. Tonda McCharles is senior reporter for the Toronto Star. Thanks. Joyce Napier is CTV's Ottawa bureau chief. Craig Oliver is CTV's chief political commentator and our special guest for this round is BNM Bloomberg's very own Amanda Lang. Good? Morning, happy Thanksgiving Same to all to you. of you. Let's carve it up, Amanda, the political turkey, the newly released Conservative platform. I had Pierre Polyevra on. Promises balance books in five years, but has almost $45 billion in cuts. Uh, realistic to hit balance without cutting services or people? I mean, we, I think we know that there's a, a huge amount of uncertainty in the projected cuts, right? That $11 billion in closing tax loopholes, um, even the operating expense reduction, which only holds the line, right? It's not, it's not actually cutting, it's just holding growth, uh, it is still unknown. What I would say is if we're going to take deficits seriously, and I think we should, and I think it's great that there's one party that has a platform that at least has it mm -hmm. in view, you should be specific about your spending cuts as much as you are about your spending plans. They're just as important to Canadians. So the vagueness in all of the party's plans about where they're finding new money, I think, should be cause for concern. The latest uh, theory among global economists is called MMT, Modern uh, Monetary Theory. And it posits that deficits don't matter, believe it or not. And there are a lot of economists who are picking this idea up. And I think that's the idea the Liberals and certainly uh, the NDP have picked up on, too that it just doesn't matter. The fact is, what we need to worry about more than the deficit is the debt. Our debt as a country now is 30% of our GDP. It's eating up a lot of our wealth. Uh, but nobody seems to care, and if they don't care, I guess, why should I? Why should we? Tonda, MMT to me stands for my monthly tab. I got added up every month. I don't know about this fancy stuff, but what, what about you? What, what do you make about all, the, all these costed platforms? Look, I think it's great that we have the parliamentary budget officer, on the one hand, weighing in on numbers. He's going to do a better job than anyone at this table can do. And then we have people at the University of Ottawa who used to work in that office giving mm -hmm. an even larger picture. So people who really want to dig down, drill down in the numbers, 
numbers, they can go to those places and find out. But I think Amanda's correct. There's no, there, 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 there's a huge, uh, I guess, uh, get, a lot of guesswork going on. Yeah. When Stephen Harper aimed at cutting costs of government operations over all those times he tried to do it he only found five billion he yes. didn't find 11 mm -hmm. to 14 billion so some of this is some of this is wishful thinking and if you if you care about it that's where to go go find the analysis of it but I think you know the liberals are banking on the fact what Craig just said that people yeah. don't really care about the numbers well you know actually they do in theory but all these proposals these platforms are aspirational right um, the the interesting thing is that the conservatives want to cut but they're all spending everybody is yeah. spending right so it's spend 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 but the conservatives say hey but we'll cut somewhere there so they they've got a two-pronged platform at least but you know they they're gonna go get some money uh, when they announced their cuts to foreign aids they said they would cut 2.2 billion dollars yeah in aid that Canada gives to mm -hmm. uh, rich countries and to, you know, a terrorist or hostile regimes. Well, it turns out that according to figures that we found, the OECD, it's actually not 2.2 billion, it is 12 million. So where are you going to go get the balance of that money? So, you know, you can make figures say whatever you want, and it seems to me that a lot of these, these uh, leaders are making the figures but speak. But we never had this kind of cost accounting uh, of platforms before. I think it's very valuable, uh, and I think it gives us something to hold against them. Yes. It gives us a standard that <laughs> yeah. we can test these parties for, and we've never been able to do that before. That's really important. And, and it'll yeah. all go to hell in a handbasket anyway, if some of yeah. the anticipated Absolutely. shocks to the yes. global economy happen. Stephen Harper was allergic to deficits until he wasn't, until the 2008 right. financial crisis hit the world. We've yeah. got Brexit shocks. The U.S.-China China trade war is not resolved. There are huge uncertainties so out there. Let me, let me bring Amanda. I know all the, but, I know it's the autumn Thanksgiving. I'm sure the, the candidates are out there looking for that elusive money tree in the fall colors. But have the Liberals, I am, look at their economic record. They have no promise to get back to balance. Okay, no, I talked to yeah. Bill Morneau about it. They don't care about it, as Craig says. Have they underplayed in this campaign their economic record? Like, what's your assessment of how they've done in four years so, on the economy? Yeah, I mean, they, they may have in the sense that, um, you know, obviously we have unemployment at record lows. Uh, we have the economy that is now projected to run around 2% this year, which for Canada is great. That's pretty pretty normal for us, near full capacity. Uh, maybe they have. On the other hand, I think the reason for that, Evan, is that, that what you hear from people is they don't feel good, right? We haven't, we're only just now getting wages coming up. Um, mm -hmm. Inflation is high in weird pockets, right, for food prices. So I think there's a disconnect at the door, and they're kind of responding to that. I will say this. I mean, one... One thing that has been lost in this, I think, and I don't know why the, the narrative has been allowed to turn this way, things like, you know, to Craig's point, modern monetary theory, that's just a new metric that says it's all okay, it's different this time. It's not. We're spending more than we earn. It's just like any household. Every month we are bought, we're, you know, we're selling furniture to buy groceries and it doesn't work indefinitely. But so deficits are not, that's not austerity to say let's stop running deficits. It's not different this time and don't forget the provincial debt. We add provincial and federal, yeah. and we're like Venezuela. But can I just go back, Amanda, just real quick, because they, the liberals like to say, no, we're not spending, we're investing. But usually you're supposed to deficit spend to invest in either productivity or economic growth. Right. Are they spending for that, or are they spending just operationally to buy it's votes? It's the groceries. 
it is the groceries, mm -hmm. right? Sending people right. camping is not an investment in the future. Even you can argue, argue healthcare and education, not, they're trying to make that investment in the future. And it's you know, not. Those are current operating expenses. The conservatives say they're going to cut. But if in three years there is a recession and it is a conservative government, they're not going to cut. They're going to keep spending. Right. They're going to have to spend. So, right. you know, all their projections and all their aspirational proposals and promises fall, you know, fall through the wayside if if the economy starts tanking. I, th I think there's a really telling sign about mm -hmm. the story of this election, and that is the Liberal minister responsible for arguably one of the biggest policies they did, that Canada Child Benefit, yes. that lifted so mm. many families out of poverty, and the Bank of Canada said stimulated our economy, uh, that mm. minister is in danger of lo losing his seat in Quebec. What will that say to us about you know, how much people care, what the impact right. of what government spending is? It, it, I think it's, it's fascinating. And, and, and Craig, then you've got the NDP finally. They've got big spending plan. They're going up in the polls, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, mm -hmm. But again, if you look at their policy book, a lot of people are wondering there's high uncertainty that they can book the revenue from their taxes. Whoa. So do people trust this stuff or do Nin they care? Ninety percent of the proposals they put before the uh, Parliamentary Budget right. Office and others uh, were considered to be unlikely. Ninety percent. Right. That wasn't a very good record. Uh, but nevertheless, <laughs> there they are out there promising that they're going to be reducing. It's totally aspirational. Well, I got to leave it there, but it's fascinating. Uh, you wonder if is the economy the central issue? That used to be the old cliche, but we'll have to find out. All right, I got to leave it there. Amanda Lang, great to have you join us. Happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. Pleasure. Coming up, the platforms are out, the debates are done, still no front runner. What will decide the election in just eight days? The scrum returns. We got new numbers with pollster Nick Nanos. You don't want to miss that. Stay right here with Question Period. <laughs> Well, it's the final countdown. There's only one week left for the federal leaders to pitch voters. And with no clear frontrunner, it's still anyone's guess who will win out on election night. Are the odds of a minority government on the rise? Who will be the balance of power? Is the Bloc Quebec weather well, wild card in all of this? Let's bring back the scrum and find out. Tana McCharles is back. George Napier is back. Craig Oliver is back. And our special guest this round, the president and CEO of Nanos Research, Nick Nanos. Happy Thanksgiving, Nick. All right. Uh, this is the week after the debate. Did the debates change the election? Well, it definitely changed the trajectory. We've seen a sing surge on the ballot numbers and on the preferred prime minister. Right now, we've got an orange freight train that could crush the liberals. Really? So did, was it fair to say Jagmeet Singh won the debates? I think so. He's the only leader that's come out with net positives out of this. It looks like the more Canadians see Jagmeet Singh, the more that they like. And all of, our calculations, all, of our, sorry, all of our calculations, all of our political arithmetic has been blown Out bits. the door, Craig. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> First, well, not only do we have one wild card, though, this time, we've got two wild cards, and that is the Bloc Québécois, who are now close to, if not beating, the Liberal Party in the province of Quebec. Where does all this go? Can anybody get a majority? Who can even put together a minority? It may take two or three people to support yeah. one that, government. You know, what, you know what that uh, means? That means none of the above. I think that's what yeah. happened. The Somebody two front runners, to. we thought it would be liberal, conservative, liberal, conservative. And what people are telling us anyway, what your polls are saying, is that people are going, Meh, no, not really. Uh, not so much the liberals. They haven't moved or they're going down slightly. The conservatives are going down slightly. And I mean, Jagmeet Singh, three one-liners in a 
a debate, and all of a sudden people are going, hey, maybe this guy's real. It's not That's the thing. Yeah. They're going around with their prompters across the country. Don't you guys know after four years what to say? You really need prompters mm -hmm. in your speeches. So they're there. They're like, you know, it's an automatic pilot. And then this guy comes along, and it's got really good one-liners, and you go, here, at least one guy's authentic It's in not there. just three one-liners in yeah. a debate, though. It's consistent performance over the course of the last several weeks in the campaign. And people see him as they saw Justin Trudeau, perhaps the last time round, uh, showing some passion. Uh, being a happy warrior, projecting optimism, projecting hope, projecting the ability of government to make a difference in their lives. And so if you take all the big sort of lines of what we've been talking about, people's anxieties around their incomes and their future prospects for their kids, that mm. speaks to them. But there's still a dead heat between the Liberals and the Conservatives at 32. Neither can mathematically form any kind of majority government. Yeah, that's and aside from Singh, Blanchette and the Bloc are on the move. So, so this speaks to Craig's point. How is that playing out in Quebec? So let, let me, because, yeah. because I'm trying to figure out what's the math, where do the NDP, who are surging in popularity, what's their pathway? Where do they actually pick up seats well, if the bloc is actually, also actually, surging actually, in it's Quebec? It's probably more it's likely for the NDP to pick up a couple seats in Atlantic Canada, not to pick up in Quebec, but they could pick up in Ontario and British Columbia, those, yeah, those okay. key battlegrounds. And what about Quebec? Where is the bloc? In Quebec, well, right now, when we kind of break out Montreal from the rest of the province, Montreal's still a lock for the Liberals, but the bloc could have a significant sweep of seats outside of the island of Montreal if they can keep this momentum up. And there's fear talk, and sorry, the I was just going to say, there's talk that the bloc could get 30, up to 30 even more seats. Like, the, the, the thing about the bloc is it, the rise has been continual, continual. It's not just a bump. Yeah. It's been, they've been going up. And the, Yves, Blanche, Yves Francois Blanchet has surprised even Quebecers. Yeah. He used to be known as a goon. Suddenly, he's polished. He's the other winner. He's Absolutely. the other winner. And, other and you know, winner. the fear-mongering, because the Conservatives, you can just start hearing in their rhetoric, ah, you know, a vote for the bloc is a vote for separatism. The more they do that, the more the bloc numbers go up, well, because that's not what he is selling. What he's saying to Quebecers is very simple message. But the other, I'm the best guy to be in Ottawa and to defend Quebec's The other interests, similar message period. from the Liberals is going to be a vote for the bloc or a vote for the NDP yeah. is a vote for the Conservative yeah. Party. Yes. Uh, but I don't think Canadians care, about, care that much about it right won't work in because what is really dragging the Liberals down, and we were all told nobody was paying attention, is that governments that lose public confidence and public trust lose elections, and they lost it. Uh, is trust an issue? I just want to just quickly one more thing because I think on election night we'll talk a lot about the block to see if the surge off the island is real. And I think Joyce said something really interesting. A lot of folks say, is separatism still alive? But they're not selling separatism. No, no, they're, they're selling not. nationalism. Maybe yeah. in English Canada, we don't understand the difference. It's a big difference. Yeah. What is driving his popularity? What's driving his popularity is nationalism Absolutely. and fighting for provincial rights. Exactly. Basically to say, we're not going to have Ottawa dictate policy. Mm -hmm. We want to get our fair share out of the Federation. Those are clear, easy messages. And you know what? They have no promises to make other than right. to advocate for so Quebec, a, so, so it's, Quebec, it's easy. A Quebec-only uh, party could control a national government. How's that going to go down in Saskatchewan and Alberta, I wonder? Uh, not okay, very so, well. So, Tonda, no. we're now in the last week. We've seen last week's totally change a campaign. Surges happen, people dip, 
I mean, things change a lot. So I, no one's calling anything here. What are you looking for the party messages to be in this last closing week? I think that you're going to see the Liberals really try to wedge Canadians against the Conservatives and try and uh, say you're going to waste your vote. You're not going to strategically vote if you vote for the other progressive options, NDP or Green. That's what I'll, I'll uh, definitely expect from them. And on the Conservative side, you know, it, Craig's right. There's, it's going to be very difficult for them to find a minority government partner. So they've got to go all in this week. But you've seen them being nice to the bloc in a certain respect. Mm -hmm. So they too want to they too want to court in Quebec. Yeah, that would be interesting if, if it's not toxic to work with the bloc as a conservative. I'm not sure anything's changed there. We'll find out. Well, maybe like Nixon if that, to China, right. the conservatives working for the bloc, you know, east and west, uh, Quebec what are and you the west. For in the close? Uh, well, you know, I'm looking I'm gonna listen to the negativity because yeah. seriously uh, it has been a very negative campaign. I know all campaigns are negative and all that, and I'm not, you know, looking for, for idealism here. But, you know, if if people in the workplace said the words that Mr. Shear speaks, HR would be on us, like, and this is his workplace. Same thing with Trudeau, going for the wedge issues instead of bragging about the economic, their economic. Um, you know, they've, they've done well economically. The country's doing well economically. I hear no positivity except from... Uh, Mr. Singh and Mr. Blanchet. So I'm expecting that the two will continue to be very negative, and that is not working. We should just mention there was a big security threat for Mr. Trudeau at a rally uh, on the weekend. He had to have uh, wear protective vest and, and security. So you just hope that our election isn't given away to those kind of dark forces. Craig, what are you looking for? Well, I'm beginning to wonder whether or not a federal government, any federal government, uh, can support uh, being backed up by a party which is essentially separatist. They still are. Right. They're playing that down in the Bloc Quebecois, but they are. Can they allow themselves to form uh, a government with the support of separatists? Well, we saw uh, it before. There was a mission proposal where they were going to be included. Yeah. I mean, right after but the... But it, oh, it fell apart. It did fall apart. But is that, is that, is that the scenario? They, but they'll do it on a case-by-case case very likely scenario. There won't be a formal yeah. minority. And a Bloc Québécois, because you know he has been. If you listen to the rhetoric of Mr. Shear, he has been cozying up yep. to the, the to the well. Bloc Québécois. He has been granting them things that they have been asking for. That Quebec has been asking the federal government for. Listen to the subtle messages. I hear them, and on he is case, cozying up. To and them. on a case by case basis, that's what the Bloc has said. They'd be prepared to work with the Conservatives Absolutely. or any party on. Mm -hmm. uh, Nick, just so at this point. We're still, lots can change, and you tell us, A, if these numbers are volatile last week, but B, at this moment, are we correct to assume there is no majority in sight for anybody? There's yet? no majority in sight. There's only one trend line that I'm looking at, and it's actually the conservative trend line. If we see the conservatives in the next couple days pull ahead of the liberals, that's the only thing that could potentially save Justin Trudeau and to try to get people to strategically vote. But if we're locked in a minority government, I expect people are probably going to stay with Jagmeet Singh and the New Democrats and also stick with Elizabeth May and the Greens. Interesting. So minority governments. All right, I got to leave it there. Lot Now, it's up to a lot of people. Thanksgiving is a time when a lot of people sit around and they decide, you know, like gravy to let their votes congeal. Uh, Craig, Joyce, Tonda, well, our gravy. I mean, it just does it on my arteries. <laughs> and Nick, enjoy a great Thanksgiving weekend, everybody. Thanks for watching. We do have a special edition of the program next week, the day before the election, as we set up the big Monday. Make sure you get out there and vote. And we will see you back here in seven very short days. Enjoy the turkey and the political fixings.
You're watching CTV News Channel.